I'm your host, Fraser Bailey, and welcome to the VegUp Podcast, where we talk mindset, psychology, plant-based nutrition, lifestyle, and big dreams. So if you want to get your head in the game, level up, and become the best version of you, listen in. Let's go. Your cheap meals are wrecking more than just your waistline. Guys, this morning I wanted to dive into this really interesting subject all around this concept of meals that we would eat that are quote unquote outside your normal diet parameters and how most people when they think about these meals, they think about them as a treat, a break from their normal life, a break from their normal diet and how there are things that will be happening in your body that are much more than just fat gain or much more than just having an effect on your waistline. So let's dive into this because I know that for you, this topic is going to be particularly useful and probably quite informative actually. Because, and let me just preface this by first saying that now, not everyone is going to know what a cheat meal is. But I would assume by the words and that most people I think who listen to this like you probably have dabbled in the fitness world a little bit, if not a lot. And so cheat meals are essentially a dietary break. So you have your normal routine, you will have your normal eating patterns, and then a cheat meal is something that is off that normal pattern. It's usually associated with something that's not as healthy. You say, for instance, you might be eating healthier foods during the week, and then one day of the week you have a cheat day or a cheat meal where you just kind of let loose. You have some fun. You have some pizza, some donuts, some beer. You just do whatever you want to do, basically. And there's a there's a sliding scale to this, which I'm going to talk about in terms of what does a cheat day look like, what does a cheat meal look like, and the spectrum that it can flux within. And remember, this show myself, uh, I'm vegan, and but you can still have pretty unhealthy vegan cheat meals as well. And so I think it's important to recognize that this topic is not just pertaining to people that are not vegan or vegan. It pertains to anyone, everyone who does these dietary breaks in their routine. So Let's dive in. So basically when it comes to your routine, most people, many coaches, what they'll do is they'll say you can have like a cheat meal, a free meal, something where you might go out and have like some burger and fries or whatever it looks like, you know, vegan burger and fries, vegan ice cream, whatever you want to do. Now, there can be positive things with this depending on where you are at in your journey. That's the first thing that I want to recognize is that for some people, if you're just starting out or you've been doing it for a little while and you came from a place where you were really eating a lot of processed foods and you were just binge eating and there was not a lot of control and you were constantly adding these things into your diet, then having a little break strategically can actually be of benefit because what it does is it enables you to work hard, stay focused, eat foods that maybe aren't as palatable to you to start with. So longer term, you can stick to a a dietary protocol that is going to be of benefit to you. But what I find with most people, and 
let me know if you fall into this camp. This is most people. Most people overdo it. So they do not only just do like a cheat meal, but they do a cheat day where every meal that day is just haphazard and they're just eating whatever they want through the whole day. Or the meals that they do are just really, really unhealthy. And so there'll be a huge vegan pizza with ice cream and and just every there's nothing quality or there's no good nutrients with any of that stuff and the last thing that they do is the portion sizes are freaking astronomical so the portion control when it comes to these things can be a, a massive massive issue for people and what you'll find is sometimes people walk this spectrum where the food might be slightly healthier, but they'll still do humongous portion sizes. And so you need to be mindful of the frequency through the day, the quality of the food and the portion sizes, which I'm going to touch on in a bit more detail at the end of the podcast. So all I want to do is I want to talk about the downstream effect of these meals and how it has an impact on just more than what you think. So most people, when they're doing this, they think, oh, well, you know, if I do a little bit, it's not going to affect my fat loss. Um, I should be good. And in many instances, maybe it will help f- facilitate further fat loss if you're creating a bit of a metabolic stimulation. Um, so depending on what the rest of your diet looks like, you can do these meals and still see results. But What I want you to start to understand is that it's probably affecting you in ways that you don't realize. And so let me explain this to you. Let's say you have your cheat meal on Friday night, right? Or Saturday night, whatever you want to do, Friday or Saturday. And it is a vegan pizza, some ice cream or some donuts or something like that. Or you even do a cheat day, for example. Maybe you do a whole cheat afternoon, like you start eating healthy in the morning and then you get to after lunch and you start grazing on snacks and you're so excited about your cheat meal that you just start grazing early and it's just a bunch of random processed vegan foods or whatever. Now, what happens here, what you'll start to notice is that you start getting tired. The lethargy starts to kick in. So the cognitive load changes. So when you eat really big meals, even if they're healthy, lots and lots of calories, or you eat something that's really processed and just has a really uh, intense effect on your blood sugar levels uh, with a lot of processed sugars, things like that, you will notice the lethargy and the brain fog that can kick in. So often, think about it, you know, if you're in America after Thanksgiving, everyone falls asleep. It's the volume of the food, it's the amount of calories, and it's the amount of sugar they consume. It just complete, and people think it's the, you know, the tryptophan or whatever. I would argue that it's just the total caloric volume and the sugar doing a, a number on your blood glucose levels it's up and down like a roller coaster and it goes way 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 up and then it comes crashing down and when it comes crashing down brain fog lethargy kick in and so your cognitive load goes up like you, the amount of stress you have on your the, your ability to think goes up so you get tired sleepy drowsy you think slower you're just not functioning sharply and so that is one thing so that can affect your business it can affect your ability to lead your parent it can affect your ability to communicate to just operate at a level that you would like to operate at to have breakthroughs in your life in other areas so recognize that your cognitive acuity how sharp you are pivots around blood sugar stability and so that can be massively affected by this and it can actually be affected in the days after this so if you do it on a saturday night Often what I've found personally and with other people is that 
through Sunday and even Monday and sometimes Tuesday, you can be not as sharp. You can be dull. You can be foggy. And that is not good, guys. If you're going in and you want to succeed in your job or you're an entrepreneur or you, you want to get a pay rise or whatever you want to do, you don't want to be going into Monday and Tuesday slow, groggy, foggy, blunt. That's not good. Another thing that I noticed is that if you do these meals in the evening or even during the day, the amount of excess calories plus all the pro-inflammatory things that are in some of these foods that raises your body temperature. So at nighttime, you'll sweat more. I've noticed this particularly with myself where if I eat too close to bed and or if I eat too many calories or it's not good, I my core temperature's up. So we have an aura ring and it will show you on your data that you literally have an elevated body temperature. And that's because your digestion is having to work through so much caloric load to break things down. Your functions are still operating at a higher level. It's kind of like a car that's just running and the water is starting to get low and the engine's starting to overheat. It's kind of like that process. And when your body temperature is raised, you do not get into deeper cycles of sleep very easily. Not only that, you'll wake up more. So you'll wake up, you might wake up in a pool of sweat, um, or at the very least, you'll just be uncomfortable and in shallow sleep more often. And you can see that if you track your sleep cycles. What happens with that is you wake up and you feel super unrested. And many of you guys might be feeling that. If you're eating ice cream and drinking some wine in the evening all the time and you're waking up super unrested, part of that is probably why because you're not getting into those deeper sleep cycles because your digestive metabolism is affecting those cycles. And so you wake up feeling super unrested, which adds to the cravings, adds to the brain fog, it adds to the cognitive load. And that can cascade over for a few days if you don't course correct quickly. Other things are heightened hunger hormones. It's, it's ironic that you could eat more calories and the next day you feel more hungry. How does that work? Why does that even happen? It's a hormonal cascade. It's a downstream effect that when your blood sugar goes up and down like a roller coaster, your body is going to start looking for ways to stabilize it. And it's going to be sending hunger signals to try and find things that maybe have different types of fiber in them to help stabilize that blood glucose levels alongside your uh, liver releasing glucose to help, sorry, releasing insulin to help stabilize your body's blood glucose levels. So you're going to be feeling heightened hunger responses. So you'd be like, well, I just ate a whole bunch of food last night. Why am I even more hungry this morning? Typically what you'll find with people who do really big cheat meals or snack a lot in the evening is they have heightened hunger hormones in the morning and it makes it even harder to stick to a plan because you wake up and you're already hungry. It's part of the challenge for most people is breaking that psychological loop. Once you break the loop, the hunger hormones you are typically very low in the morning. But usually if they're high, it's because you are doing things that are affecting your blood glucose levels and your metabolic, your digestive metabolism in the evening negatively that are peaking that ghrelin hormone response. And so understand that it's a hormonal trigger that's being constantly switched by yourself. And that's really fundamental to remember. The next thing 
to remember is that the negative effect that it might have on your digestion. Notice this. Notice this, guys. So sometimes for certain people, they notice it acutely. So you might consume something and literally within one or two hours of eating that, you might start feeling bloating and gas and you just feel wrecked. Other times it's not as obvious and this can be the more dangerous stuff where people don't feel an acute change from it, but the next day their digestion's off. They wake up, they have gas, they have diarrhea, maybe they're constipated and they have diarrhea and they're like, how can I have both? That's, that's a sign of constipation. And what you've got to understand is that your energy levels are intimately connected to your digestive function. I get our high-level students to do energy digestive function logs where we look at out of 10 the energy levels and their digestive function morning noon and night around their meals so we can get a bearing of what foods are complementing their digestion and what foods are essentially negating the quality of their digestion because i i see a direct correlation when someone's digestion is not good their energy is not good as well and i'm telling you now And I come back to this topic that in 2021, your energy, your ability to get things done, make decisions quickly, achieve really challenging things and bust through barriers is driven by your internal energy. And when you start to recognize that your digestion is essentially facilitating or negating that energetic outflow, it becomes like currency to you. It is the most valuable thing you have. And I've noticed in myself and in others that they'll have a meal. In the moment, they, they'll, they'll feel fine. They won't recognize that there's an issue. And the next day or the day after, they're getting constipated. They're getting gas. They're on the toilet all morning. And it makes them feel lethargic and, and just out of sorts. There's been too many people I've come across that think that their cheap meals are fine until they're on the toilet all morning on Monday and they barely can get their work done and they're slow and they're not sharp and then they get in a bad mood because they're not functioning well. You've got to start connecting the upstream effects that your decisions are having and recognize that sometimes you might be downplaying the negative effect this is having. You might be going, oh, well, I just, I need a little break. I don't want to go backwards. You know, I don't want to, you know, if I don't have this break, then I'll, everything you know. Then I won't eat well at all. And my question to you is: see it as a ladder of ascension. And I'm going to talk about that ladder of ascension in a second. Just recognize fundamentally that sometimes it can take days for this to normalize. This is the biggest challenge for people: is that they'll do something, they often won't see a immediate effect, but later on they'll have an effect. It's kind of like it's funny. It's kind of like people who have. Uh, allergies and sinus issues and they think that it's always allergies they're constantly taking allergy medication yet they're pounding dairy every day they're drinking dairy every day they're consuming dairy every day and they're like oh i've just got allergies no you're intolerant to lactose and you don't even know it because it's not causing you an acute response it's this low grade chronic response that you're getting and you're not connecting the dots and so what i say to people is If you're getting a negative response, pace back and kind of investigate the history of your eating 
over a three or four, five day period before that? Were there things in your diet? Did you grab something when you were eating out that you thought was healthy but wasn't? You know, I'll give you a quick example. A long time ago, um, we had this, uh, we got some vegetables at this Chinese buffet and I could see it was cooked in a bit of oil and it must have had MSG or something in it because I felt terrible after. I got so bloated. I felt horrible. So you've got to remember that it's not just the obvious stuff too. Like you could look at that food and be like, it was a plate of broccoli. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, but what is on it? What's it cooked in? Is it cooked in rancid oils and covered in MSG seasonings? Because that could be the trigger. And so you, and that's another thing. For people who eat out a lot, you've got to start looking at that. If you're getting a lot of digestive problems, but you're eating out a lot, that in and of itself is a problem. And you've got to ask yourself, what's more important? You're eating out with your friends or you having tons of gas and bloating all the time. If, you, if you're quite happy with getting the gas and the bloating in exchange for social interaction while you're eating, then so be it. But if you're like, man, I want more out of my life than that, then you have to start making decisions. You have to start making decisions. So the first thing to recognize is all of this is a ladder of ascension when it comes to the meals. So what I'll say to people is they'll go, well, you know, I've been struggling with my binge eating. How do I just go from eating, uh, you know, all the, all the junk food and stuff to eating none of that? And my whole thing is like, don't just think of it in terms of black or white binary, one or two, zero or one. Think of it in terms of can you clean these meals up a little bit? Can you add good stuff to them? So, for instance, rather than going out and getting a Burger King Impossible Whopper and some of their crappy fries, stay home, get a Dr. Prager's uh, veggie burger or, or a healthier veggie burger or make your own healthy veggie burger, air fry that, get a nice healthier burger bun for it, uh, cut up some tomatoes and throw some sprouts in there and a little bit of sauerkraut and some mixed greens. So you're getting all your different colored vegetables and have some air fried sweet potato fries or something. Same burger and fries, very different composition, very different reaction in the body. And so are there ways that you can make some of these foods that you used to do healthier? Can you make your own pizza where maybe you put a little bit less of the vegan cheese on it and you're doing a sprouted base instead of just a cheap white flour base and maybe you're adding tons of other veggies on it and it's not just cheese and uh, tofurkey slices or something like that. You know, you're adding lots of veg on it. Maybe you're doing a salad on the side, which I'm going to talk about in a second. So recognize that are the meals you like and are the healthier ways to make this because that will go a long way to allowing you to still do some of these fun things you enjoy because that fundamentally, guys, that's important. Like I want you to be able to stick to your routines. But you've got to weigh up those benefits versus risks and say, hey, if this thing is sabotaging you so much that it's giving you this brain fog and making you feel terrible, maybe we have to find a healthier way to make this meal first. That's the first thing. The second thing is the frequency. I'm telling you now, I have not come across a single person who's been in truly good health who does a cheap day, an entire day. People will do a meal where... It's something that is out of their normal dietary pattern and the rest of the day will be healthy food. So they'll be eating their normal routines, they'll be doing the normal things, they'll be going about their normal day and then they'll have that fun meal. 
cheat days, guys, can completely derail you. You could consume so many calories in a cheat day that it will completely negate any type of caloric deficit you are in for the entire week. That's not good. I personally would never do a cheat day anymore just because I would feel terrible psychologically, not even like with guilt, but just cognitively. I would feel so blunt and dull and my digestion would be so wrecked that the the downstream effect of that would feel terrible. And as an entrepreneur, as someone who wants to achieve so much and experience so much as a father, as a husband, I do not have time to be functioning at that level, period. And, And neither do you, quite frankly. If you are listening to this, I'm sure there's many things you want to achieve. And so if you're doing a cheat day, taper it down to a meal and have fun with that one meal. The next thing is, add, like, I, like I was saying, add good stuff into it. So if it's a pizza, add a big side salad on it. If it's a veggie burger, add lots of greens in there as well. If it's some mac and cheese, maybe add some diced zucchini in there or some sweet peas or just throw some type of vegetable in there. The reason why I say this is because vegetables, fibrous vegetables, green veg, that fiber helps control and slow down blood glucose undulations. So instead of you going up and down like an absolute roller coaster, it helps mitigate that and and stabilize things a lot more. That, my friend, is going to allow for less lethargy, less brain fog after these meals. And obviously, just consuming that fiber with the meals is a good thing for your digestive system. So I always say add the good stuff in wherever you can. And that's why during the day, it's important to have all your other meals dialed in and you're adding all these good nutritious foods in to really make sure that you're hitting all your micronutrient values for the day. And I talk about micronutrient values with vitamins and minerals in previous podcasts in this season. So go back and listen to that if you missed that because that's another fundamental one. Another thing to remember is portion control. This is a big one, I think, especially for a lot of guys where they're, they're eating something that maybe they deem is a bit healthier, but their, their freaking portions are uh, four servings so much food that you completely just sink the ship. I would argue that you will get sometimes as negative effect eating something that's semi-healthy but massive, massive portions as you would if you ate like processed food with less portion because the amount of calories that has to go through your system is so immense. The amount of digestive metabolism that your body has to go through it will just make it's just going to have such a downstream effect on your cognition, on your digestion, on your sleep quality. That if you want to feel sharp, if you want to feel clear, if you want to wake up in the morning with more energy and less hunger, you need to keep these things into account. Because also, what can happen is if you consume a lot of calories, even if it's healthier calories, that can also peak your hunger hormones as well. It's just a weird thing about the body where it's almost counterintuitive. You think to yourself, why is it peaking if I just gave, gave overfed myself? The body works in ways that it's hard to even explain to you here. And I'm not going to dive into too much of the mechanisms around that because I don't want to overwhelm you. But all I'm saying is that overfeeding too much can lead to actually more of the same reaction. It's almost like it causes a catalyst to, to catalyze the same reaction over and over again also i think 
coinciding these meals with training days, I think can be really useful. One of the things that many people do, they don't often realize, they kind of set themselves up to not benefit as best they could, is they'll train Monday to Friday and then their meal will be in the weekend while they're sedentary doing nothing all day. If you create a metabolic demand in your body for this for these calories, your body will use them more efficiently. And so what I mean by this is have your meal on the on a day that you work out. And ideally on a day you work out and then the next day you work out as well. So if you're going to have it on a Friday night, I would say train on Friday and Saturday and then have a day off during the week if you need to. Because think about it like this. You train, you dump all that stored glycogen, which is muscle sugar, out of your muscles and you use that during your training. Your body's like a sponge. You've just basically drained the water out of the sponge and the sponge is shriveled up and dry. When you do these meals with all these calories, your body will convert that into blood glucose. Then it will store some of that as stored muscle glycogen. So it's going to replace those fuel tanks. That can help you with your training, but it will also help mitigate what your body does with some of those calories. So if you want to minimize the percentage of calories stored as body fat and maximize it as stored as muscle glycogen to be used as training, then training on the day and the day after that you do these meals can be really, really fundamental. And a lot of people don't do this. A lot of people would be in the weekend, they'll have these meals while they're completely sedentary, the complete opposite of what they could be doing to maximize what their body does with these calories. So again, just a little tip to maximize this process. Another thing that I want to touch on quickly is you need to start reframing your vocabulary around these meals. This whole podcast I've been saying cheat meal, right? I never call it a cheat meal. I think a cheat meal is a horrible word because it just builds this negative structure, this negative psychological attachment with what you're doing. That it's something, it's cheating. It's something off plan. I call it a refeed because you're essentially refeeding your system. You're refeeding your muscles. And from that perspective, keeping the refeed to one meal, keeping it relatively healthy, keeping it something that's fun, but you made it healthier that is actually a very effective thing long-term. I would argue that's a very good thing to do for your sanity, for your metabolism, for your, your progress. As long as your portion controls are dialed in, it can be fun. You get to experiment with recipes that you haven't used before that normally might not fit your normal like eating structure. It can be a fun experience, guys. So my whole point to this is flip it on its head from something that's guilt-driven, the vocabulary around it is guilt-driven, it makes you feel like crap, all of those negative things, reframe the entire experience. And then lastly, when you do it after listening to this, pay attention to your body language. And body language isn't just if you're smiling or sad or your posture. I'm talking about body language and what happens with your digestion straight after the meal and even the next day or the day after. Are you getting bloating? Are you noticing changes in your stool, in your frequency going to the bathroom? What happens to your skin? Did you get a pimple breakout? Is your, is your skin changing? Did you get a breakout of some type of like eczema in the days after this? What's happening to your hunger responses? Are they going up? Do you feel excessively hungry in the morning? Do you feel thirstier in the evening? Or do you wake up in the middle of the night feeling more thirsty? Or are you sweating more? These are things that your body's trying to communicate with you about that something is out of balance and most people won't be able to interpret those signals. So fundamentally, I hope you're able to take some of these pieces of advice that I shared with you here and implement them. 
And lastly, I want to say that if all of this makes sense and you want to master this and learn how to do this and make it work and understand your biofeedback, understand what's good and not good for you and make progress and feel more mentally sharp and not as moody and not as tired during the day, then reach out to me and let's talk. I coach people at the highest level through this one-on-one, these signature custom experiences where we talk deeply about biofeedback, around structuring their diet, around these cues to make you perform better. Because you want to know something? When you perform better at a higher level and you're more cognitively sharp and your energy is better and more stable through the day and your mood is better, you get more stuff done. You achieve more. You bring more, better people into your life. And you know what also happens as a byproduct of this? You train harder. You're typically more consistent with your training. Your body is more optimized. So you naturally get fat loss easier. You naturally get muscle building easier. It's easier to maintain a better level of conditioning and physique when you do this well and you focus on these things first. So guys, if anything if any of this stuff made sense to you, start implementing it this week. This stuff's important because this type of approach can really make or break your results. So get after it this week, guys. Implement what I said. Move up that ladder of ascension and constantly be looking for ways to grow. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Veg Up Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes go live. Please leave us a review and share this on social media. Tag me. Let me know what helped you. Let me know what you want to hear more of. Let's get this information out to the world. Help me do that. And be sure to email us over at Fraser at evolvingalpha.com for coaching options and mentorship. Because if you want growth, it begins here, my friend.